when you first start off, don't pretend like, oh, yeah, I've been doing something like this for 10 years. Oh, yeah, I've been an executive for X many years. Oh, I could definitely make some money. Listen, it ain't about the money starting off. You got to get your sea legs. They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menzoir. What's up, everybody? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Please. Please, Please cut it out. Couple more clips. <laughs> what? No guests? What the heck? It's just the two of us in separate places. I know. I know. Yeah, it feels a little different uh, today, but uh, I like it. What are we talking yeah. about today? If it's just us, we better be experts. <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't know if I can ever claim to be an expert. I'll say I have some expertise, definitely some experience. Yeah. That I'll say, but you know, if you want to call yourself an expert, we're, we're, we're experts. We're experts. Listen to us. Damn it. <laughs> and something. Uh, yeah, today is going to be how to get started as a speaker. I mean, I, I know you and I talk about this all the time. Don't you have people that just come up to you, whether it's friends of yours or people that just saw you speak and they go, oh, man, I want to do what you do. I, I, I want to be a speaker. How do you do that? And then the first thing you say, yeah. you know, are, are you any good? You know, you're like, oh, here we go again. This is going to be an hour long how to explain. But um, you, you probably do have a lot of people that that ask you about your job and how they can maybe get into that, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny because the, you know, for everybody who says that public speaking is the number one fear, um, you wouldn't know it from the amount of people who come up to us and say, I want to be a speaker. Um, yes. But uh it's sort of like the music business, right? Like, you know, every time we would be out on the road playing with, with Big Kettle Drum, you know, we'd finish a show and someone would come up and, you know, hand us a CD or, or something that, you know, hey, check this out. You know, we'd love to open for you the next time you're in town. Or could you hook us up with a booking agent? Or could you talk to your record label? Or, you know, all of those things, um, they only see the the moment on stage they don't actually yeah. see all the work that goes into getting there right um where you know for us uh if i'm being completely honest we made more deposits at the roadside music store than than probably we should have but we would literally <laughs> right. we drive down the road jt would put the cd and this is back when cds were still a thing um he'd put a cd in the car we listened to it and if like if it didn't catch his catch his ear in about 10 seconds you'd hear it would come out the window would come down and out that cd flew out the window on the side of i-10 somewhere you know it it. was crazy but you know i think that we have a we have a couple of thoughts today to, to help people who are truly interested in doing this and and i think the first thought that rocks about how to become a speaker how to get started as a speaker is you you have to have a unique viewpoint right yeah it's not it's not just about big giant personality it's not about you know you can you can hold people's attention in a room all that's important but unless you have something unique to say um you know our our former uh, you know, both both Jim and and I were exclusive with Kepler for for years, and um, which Kepler is a represents something like, 
speakers, a speaker bureau, right? Yeah. And, and they represent something like 700 speakers. So uh, unless you have a, you know, and that's one of, of hundreds of speaker bureaus yeah. in the country. And unless you have a unique viewpoint, it's really hard to stand out from the pack, right? Yeah. And in fact, that's sort of what I was alluding to at the beginning is as soon as somebody says they want to do something like what we do, it is one of the first questions that, you know, I, I sort of throw to him. I mean, I sort of jokingly will go, are you, are you any good? Like, you know, you, you better make sure yeah. you can, you can bring something exciting to the party, but you know, I'm sort of in my own way saying, what do you have to say? Like, what's your topic? What's your niche? If it's just going to be, I'm a pretty good speaker, you know, that that's just not going to cut it these days. I, I had a friend of mine that was at a Christmas party with me, um, and it was a mutual friend's party, and we were watching some people that were playing guitar and singing, and um, I had just really gotten into speaking uh, on my own. I had left Hard Rock International to go and do this, so this is probably about 10 years ago, and he and I are standing beside each other. I know this guy very well. And he's just sort of looking at me and he goes, you know, I, I think I'm going to become a speaker. I think I could do that. And I was like, yeah, 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 you should totally do that. And then I started paying attention to the music again. And then he goes, I mean, I've led a pretty incredible life, a little bit more exciting than yours. Certainly people would want to listen to me more than you, right? And he was, he's being dead serious. And, and in, in his mind, he thought, I'm just standing up there talking about my life and my background. And I'm like, brother, you have no idea what we talk about. We're trying to impact and influence people. But, you know, and I, I want to go beyond that, too. And we'll talk about that. But I think his initial thought was, you're just up there just gabbing away, right? No, it's, it's a little bit bigger than that. It is. And I, and I think that a lot of people... You know, they think about the motivational speaker, the you know, the Chris Farley on SNL yes. and and living in a van down by the river, and 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 it's funny and and it's you know we laugh about it, um, but uh, there's a big difference, and I, and I think that w I guess I guess we should probably say that a lot of the conferences that we speak at, um, the event planners, whoever's putting together the conference, typically has two keynote speakers, right? They have an opening keynote speaker and a closing keynote speaker. If the conference yeah. is several days long, they have somebody in the middle. Um, but and and we Jim and I always laugh because we say that that when these event planners are really looking, they look for one that's that motivation, inspiration, get people going. Yeah. And they have another one that's really practical, tactical advice. How can you take what you're going to learn and, and start to use it immediately? Right. And they like to mix and match, right? Those types of speakers. And um, if you can do both, what, what Jim calls edutaining, right? If you can educate and be entertaining, you sort of double your chances of of being selected to be a keynote speaker because you are engaging, you are motivating, but at the same time you're giving that real meaty takeaway, and that comes from having that unique viewpoint, not just go rah rah, getting people amped up to uh, uh, to go yeah. and, and be better at their life, to dive in yeah. deeper, to tell your inspirational story, to do all those sorts of things, which happen and we see it every day. And there are people who get paid very well oh, to talk yeah. about their life and what they've overcome. But at the end of the day, if you can have a unique viewpoint, um, it's going to absolutely help increase your opportunities of, of getting a keynote talk somewhere. Yeah. And if there's if there is an event that's long enough, even if they have a, uh, someone in the middle, like no, n nobody wants to be in the middle. 
and and nobody will want us in the middle because it just sort of throws the whole event off. You do want us either at the beginning or at the end. I'm I'm not sure if I've ever asked you this. Like, what would you prefer? Would you rather be the the lead kickoff opening speaker or the closing every time? I would. I don't. I don't want to be the closer ever. Oh, you don't. You always want to be, <laughs> which is funny because I'm going to be the. Cl- yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really want to be. I'm doing I'm doing a closing keynote here coming up, um, but yeah. I don't unless uh, you know. It will, look, when they come, you you say yes or no, right? So I'm taking it. But right. if I had an, uh, my options, I want to be the opener because people are they don't know what to expect yet. You get them yeah. sort of fresh, you know, bushy tailed and and wide eyed and ready to go, and like they're they're sort of excited. Depending on how long the conference is or how shitty the conference has been by the time you get to the closer they're like counting down the minutes to get to their plane you know what i mean so it's it can be tough uh to be the closer a lot of people leave on the last day um you know a lot of them spent that last night maybe tossing back a few too many because they knew it was the last day of the conference (laughs) so you know you get people dragging in um so it's i would say this it's more challenging to be the closer than it is to be the opener no doubt, no doubt. I think, and and so when you you bring up this this first point, this first thought that rocks, which is have a unique viewpoint. Boy, if you're going to be the opening keynote, you better have a viewpoint. You better have, you know, some clear direction, great takeaways. Um, it's got to be like you said that edutainment factor. Yes, there needs to be some laughter, some funny, some inspiration, whatever it is. But if they're not walking out of there going, man, I'm going to use that, and the chances are they're probably now going to be using that language and do some referencing throughout the rest of the event. It gives it more stickiness, if you will. So when you say a unique viewpoint in your mind, specifically, what would that mean? Like if I was a brand new speaker and you tell me that, what do I need to do then? Yeah. So I would say it's got to be um, easily explainable. Right. You got to have your elevator pitch down so that when somebody says, well, why should why should we bring you in? Um, mm-hmm. It can't be a 20 minute discussion as to why. Right. It should be this yeah. really short, clear, concise um, description as to what you talk about, why it's important and why they need to bring you in. Um, you know, a good friend of ours, Tamsin Webster, wrote uh, a book Love called Find Your Red Thread. Um, it's back. Back there yeah. somewhere in one of those one of those books, but I um, you know I've worked with Tamsin. It is uh, I've worked with Tamsin uh, to help with my unique viewpoint, right? Because it's not just enough to have it; you have to be able to express it in such a way that mm-hmm. it's compelling, um, that people go, "Oh, that sounds really interesting," or "Wow, we really need that." Uh, that doesn't come from fumbling around an idea; it comes from a clearly defined viewpoint. You know, she has. Uh, you know, basically five or maybe six steps of the red thread, depending on what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, but the idea is you've got to sort of know the goal of what your your clients are looking for and what you are going to be able to provide. You have to sort of state the problem. What is it that they're going for? You have to tell them the truth um, as to what the scenario is and what you're going to say. You have to challenge them to change and then you have to give them the solution, right? And so like yeah. that, when I say 
a, a clear viewpoint. It's following all of those steps to be able to say, I know this is what you're trying to do. I know this is the challenge that you're facing. I think we can agree that the truth is this. What yeah. I believe we have to do is change to that. And here's how I would suggest doing it. That's having a unique viewpoint that is clearly expressed. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it reminds me, I think of people who you know, maybe they were a great leader in their company and they want to write a book on leadership. Well, again, if you don't have a unique way about talking about that, it just gets lost in, in the, the, the myriad of all these leadership books, talks, speakers, podcasts, whatever it is. Um, and as you were talking about Tamsin, it reminded me of our good friend, Leslie M same thing. You know, if she wrote a book and talks about swagger and that's unique. Like you don't hear people talking about, being confident and having your own personal swagger and what that means, not just to walk into the room yeah. and, and, and own that in a very, um, you know, a, a, an audacious way, but she does talk about having swagger and everything that you work on and work in. And again, we might, we might shower a lot of our speaker author friends, some love here, but I think she's taken a unique viewpoint that a lot of people aren't going to going yeah. to do. And if anybody now wants to talk about swagger, they're kind of Johnny Cubb lately. She sort of owns that space. And so she's probably going to get a lot more requests for people that think maybe they need that for their company, their association, them personally, whatever it is. So I think having that unique viewpoint is, yeah. is really a way to get hired more. So it's not just how to get started as a speaker. The sooner you get about that and get about it quick, the more likely you are to get gigs, right? Yeah, agreed. And she, you know, she took the concept of swagger beyond what we think, right? So yeah. everyone thinks swagger. They think, uh, look at that, you know, whether it's a rock star walking in the room, that movie star, whatever it is, just someone who's got, sometimes they're just, that guy's a dick. And like mm -hmm. the, the, you know, that, that swagger is confused for, you know, being conceited or being a little too, you know, bravado, the, all, yeah. all of those sorts of things. But she was able to take that concept and tie it to you know better production uh better performance mm -hmm. all, all of these sorts of things that that translate really well in the conference space beyond yeah. just hey let's talk about swagger she took that swagger to confidence to to performance which means oh that's that's something that we can sink our teeth into and feel like we're getting yeah. our money's worth yeah well i think because we ain't that. cheap right no that's, no, that's, no we're not that's the other we're, we're gonna have another episode <laughs> talking about that which uh, will probably blow <laughs> yes. people's minds yes. here. Well, let's start with baby steps. I know. I, I was saying, I, I think you've yeah. done that with uh, with black sheep. You know, I think a lot of people have this mm -hmm. preconceived idea because of what they've been told as to what a black sheep is and what that means. And people go, "Oh, I'm the odd person out." And I think in the way that yeah. you have sort of turned that on its head, you get people to think differently, and and perhaps why a black sheep is more valued than perhaps white sheep. Yeah. Um, and, and in case people might be new, give, give us the 30 second why that is, why, why that would be so unique as a side here. Well, the reason that farmers don't value black sheep like the rest of their flock is because a black sheep's wool cannot be dyed. 
So every black sheep, in effect, is 100% authentically original. So my thought was, you know, the people who've been called a black sheep or, or, or associate with that um, feel like an outcast. They feel like they are separated when, in fact, that's what they should feel like. They want to be that unique 100% authentic original that they were made to be. And so rather than running from it, they need to embrace it because it's what's going to help them stand out from the crowd. You know, the big sort yeah. of story that I tell at the end is about, you know, farmers keep one black sheep for every 500 white or every 100 white sheep in their care and they keep them as a marker because they when they go out and they look and they go, oh, we have 500 sheep. If they tried to count 500 white sheep, they'd be there forever. So they only yeah. look for the black sheep. So if they've got 500 white sheep, they look for the five black sheep. They were able to, to quickly assess the scenario and they they get that look because they stand out. And so if we lead with those values, those, those black sheep values that separate us from everybody else, it's what my internal wool looks like, um, then I get everybody's first look. And so yeah. able to translate that to the conference world which is if you're in sales, you want everybody's first look. If you're in management, you want their first look. You want your, your, your coworkers first look. You want the CEO's first look. You want your client's first look. And so when you're able to explain something as crazy a concept as, as black sheep, but yet have that unique twist, um, it's kept me busy. So, you know, and then yeah, hopefully it, it continues to for, for a bit more. It will, right it will. Right. And that's why this episode right is, uh, <laughs> there it is. That's why this episode is sponsored that, by right Future there. Farmers oh. of America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> they have a big conference. They have a big conference. And look at yes. their swagger. We got swagger. We got limitless by L uh, Laura Gassnerning. Here you go. Here's your book over here. I see you. There you go. That wasn't got, planned. Like, None of this is there, planned. There's one of yours right there. No, this is this is our normal background. Yes. By right. the way, if somebody That's were right. interested as part of our unique viewpoint, this is what our spaces would look like. We're actually facilitating in different, we're talking in different areas today in our home studios. And this is what we've had to do. Well, we're going to probably have another episode talking about some of those tools as well. But so, so the first thought that rocks that we talked about is having a viewpoint for us, you know, a lot of the branding, a lot yep. of things we do, you know, sort of helps us get the first look since I'm using your black sheep analogy to at least be able yep. to go, okay, yep. I'm interested in that. Let me see if he or she is my person for this particular conference. But then you get to the second thought that rocks, which you and I have talked about quite a bit. When you first start off, and I know I've shared this with everybody, and, and really nobody wants to hear this because they're interested in trying to make the money. But the second thought is you got to say yes to everything. And I mean everything. When you first start off, don't pretend like, oh, yeah. I've been doing something like this for 10 years. Oh, yeah, I've been an executive for X many years. Oh, I could definitely make some money. Listen, it ain't about the money starting off. You got to get your sea legs. So when I say things like say yes to everything, what, what types of things are you talking about here? Well, I can tell you what I said yes to when I was first starting, which was everything from the freaking Boy Scout troop to the, uh, you know, the the Rotary Club that meets at 7 a.m. every morning, uh, the yep. uh, the Lions Club, the the nonprofits that that want you to come in and speak to their donors or their, you know, their teams, um, you know, honestly, uh, uh, sports teams um, go in and go in and talk to uh, the, the local high school football team. And, and uh, you know, depending on what your subject is and what you're talking about, 
it's it's trying to find those, uh, especially when you first start, try to find those places to hone your craft, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's just it. You're only going to get better by doing it over and over and over again. And you've got to yeah. sort of put yourself into situations that, listen, if you can keep the, uh, you know, the, the 13-year-old Boy Scout troops attention for, for 20 minutes, you should be okay at a conference, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've uh, I've done some things around a card table with four people. I've done stuff with family members, um, eat church. You know, if somebody wants you to to lead, a, I don't know, a Sunday school 100%. class once, and that's again, you said it best at the very top of the show. It is the number one fear of all humans. We know that for a fact. People, you can go and Google it right now. You're going to see spiders and heights and fear of all kinds of stuff. But speaking in front of other people yeah. is the number one fear. So nobody wants to do this stuff. And, you know, to be honest with you, some some conference is going to come along. Someone who's in charge of something, and it might be 40, 50 people, still don't worry about the money. Don't worry about getting paid yet. That definitely is going to come. The answer should be yes, and you figure it out. And listen, if you if there's some money involved or there's a benefit of some sort maybe they'll put you in their newsletter or videotape you or whatever it's going to be that that's gravy that's a nice byproduct but the answer should be absolutely yes and you shouldn't sit back on your laurels and wait for those things to come in you got a mind for it now you'll be way more cognizant if you really want to be a speaker where could i plug myself in to get those sea legs, to get the reps, we like to say in the business, so that when you finally do get somebody to say, I want to pay you, let's say $5,000, you, you better be worth it now or else, you know, that, that group yeah. not only isn't going to call you back, but that word spreads real quick if you're not worth it. Well, I think you bring up a good point too, which is, you know, say yes to everything, but that doesn't mean that you should do everything for free. Uh, you know, right. and I think that that's a big, big point to make here is that, you know, people get what they pay for. And and yeah. if they have zero skin in the game, uh, the chances of that event being a shit show is enormous, enormous, yeah. because they don't care. And I just had this conversation the other day with um, a friend who wants to be a speaker and she's doing, she's doing a phenomenal job and she's getting these opportunities um, and she's getting these people to say, hey, would you come and speak? And, and, you know, my first question that I tell her to ask is what's your budget? And, and mm -hmm. so, you know, she's talking to them and, and trying to find out what their goals are. She asks what the budget is and they go, oh, well, I mean, we have to pay for the venue and we have to pay for the food and we have to pay for this and we have to pay for that. There's really no money for a speaker. And I'm like, that's such a back ass words way of, it of is. understanding that. The speaker is what's going to get people to remember coming to your event and your company and what you're trying to put for. If they're a good speaker, they're pushing whatever agenda you want to the people that you want to hear it. Yeah. And so my thing to her was don't just say yes. <laughs> say yes and what can we – I understand you don't have a budget, but what do you have? Because yeah. my normal fee is X. So what do you yeah. have a value that we could get to that X, right? And, yeah. and but, but, you know, we have a, a, a I know you are buddies with Ross uh, Bernstein. Bernstein, who, who, who yeah. yeah, who asks all the time, you know, well, we don't have that. And he goes, well, what do you got? <laughs> yeah. And, and they start to just come up with things. Well, I mean, I guess we could buy 500 copies of your book. 
Okay, what what else okay, you got? What else you got? Yeah. Oh well, we got a suite. Um, with um, we have a timeshare down in the Bahamas. You could have for a weekend. Oh, that's awesome! Okay. What else you got? What else? And so, like, he's just, you know, it's like a it's like a flea market. He's walking around going, "I'll take one of those. I'll take one of those, and yeah, I'll have some, some of those." But but the point is that they have to see the value and feel the pain a little bit of providing something for the value that you're bringing. So don't just yeah. say yes to everything for free. Make them do something, whether that's a press release, make them film it so you can walk away with some video. You know, you've got to have something that that they feel like they didn't just get this and there's nothing, they have no nothing at stake for you to do good or bad. You want them to feel like they had to give something and in return, you are providing your expertise, your your motivation, whatever it is that you're bringing to the table. So say yes to everything, but that doesn't mean say yes to everything for free. Yeah. And and I would maybe add to that, uh, you know, it depends on probably where you live. If you're in a rural market, uh, you know, maybe you don't have as many opportunities. But if you really look, there's a lot of places where people, somebody has to stand up and talk in front of a group. Just start being that guy or that girl to say, yes, raise your hand, get out there. You know, it may take a year. It may take a year for you to really get all of your ducks in a row, which we're going to talk about here in the third thought, but to get everything ready to go. And in that year, just look at that as that that's school for you. It's it's the greatest practice field in the world where, you know, and you make a great point as well that let's say there isn't a lot of money. You're doing stuff for free. There's really no pressure other than you just, you know, being way more valuable than what they initially thought. Maybe they are getting you for free. You come in and just blow the roof off the joint. If you crush it, that's going to spread like wildfire. You, you know, start getting people that will do testimonials. Start listening to people that might even put something on social media. Somebody that'll do a recommendation for another speech somewhere else. Again, it might be for free. It might be for a little bit of, of coin, but... Again, just saying yes to everything, you're going to be better served. And if you think you can get away with just practicing for three months and jumping off the deep end, go ahead. But I think the most successful speakers that we know have either been doing this a little bit in a version of perhaps a company and they feel a little bit more comfortable or they've done exactly what we said. They're changing their career to say, I was doing this, but I want to do what you're doing. How do I do that? Oh, okay. I got to put in a year you're going to be better served because of it. There's no doubt. So, yeah, so what, a, a, Brent, a good what, friend of ours. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was no, going to go say ahead. a good friend of ours, uh, Phil Jones, who is mm. one of the most successful speakers we know. Yeah. Uh, wrote a book called exactly what, to, exactly what to say. And yeah. he talks about um, the importance of the words that we use in moments like those. If you haven't gotten that book, you should definitely grab it because what I believe Phil would encourage you to do is to build up the value of what you're bringing before you talk about price at all. And when yeah. you start to understand the value of what you're bringing and they understand the value of what you're bringing, when you get to the budget question, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden they feel foolish um, if they're not going to pay you because they've yeah. obviously asked for A, B, C, D, E, F, N, G. Um, you know, and so those are really, really fantastic ways. It's why he's an incredible, you know, the guy makes millions of dollars doing this and it's because mm -hmm. he understands how to present value in a way um, and present options 
to the conference in a way because some, sometimes they don't think about those things, right? Obviously, she thought this this planner thought about the food and the tables and the uh, you know the venue and all those things, but she wasn't thinking about the speaker. But being able to explain or give options like, have you thought about? having a sponsor pay for this, um, yeah. you know, giving options where they aren't even thinking in those terms, but they might have really patrons who would go, yeah, I'd, I'd donate $5,000 to get this speaker to come speak, or I'd donate $50,000 to have so-and-so come in and speak. Those are the things that helping to establish value while you're saying yes is really doing them a favor and a service um, for future events that they want to plan. Yeah. You, you said something too during during that, uh, you know, and this is the second time you were alluding to it. I don't think it's just us being conceited because we're speakers that people haven't thought about paying a speaker or that they aren't as valuable as the food or the space or the cool team building thing they're going to do or whatever. I think if you really put yourself in the position of a speaker, I mean, this this episode is about that. So I'm assuming we got some aspiring people on there that are listening. But even if you're just... You know, somebody in an industry and you go to a conference, I do believe that if you just feel like you're wasting your time listening to some crappy speaker, you f it, it takes away. It, it it puts a tarnish on the event itself. And as good as the shrimp risotto might be and the fact that we're looking at this beautiful beach landscape and, yeah, we're going to build cardboard boats in the pool, all of that sounds fun. But now you're captured for an hour, hour and a half with somebody who is supposed to be helping you get better at what you're doing when you go back to your gig. So isn't it, it's, it, to me, it just blows my mind. Just if I wasn't even in this business and I heard that that speaker, you know, they, they hired that person, they didn't pay him anything. I'd be like, that doesn't make sense. Not, not again, I'm trying not to put ourselves in the, in the talent area because that's an easy thing to do in our industry. You know, there are some people that probably get the, the big head. I just go, it's common sense that we're just as valuable as yeah. probably all the other parts and pieces that you're putting together, right? I know you feel that way. Yeah, totally. And and for me, you know, I go, the reason that when you first start, I mean, this is about getting started. The reason when you first start that you say yes to everything is so that you can say no to things in the future, right? Mm, and I yeah. think that we don't we don't think about, when we're trying to just get started, we don't think about the future. But the goal of saying yes to everything when you first start is to build up enough reputation, is to build up enough momentum that you can say no, you yeah. know, six months, a year, two years, three years down the line. And, and, and people would be shocked to hear how much money we say no to. Um, it's months and months and months of salary for some people, which sounds, it can sound ridiculous. It Honestly, it feels ridiculous a lot, yeah. but the truth is you know your worth. And when you know your worth, then saying no to something that, you know, three years ago we would have said yes to um, allows us to stay focused and allows us to keep the the sort of price integrity of what we do and the value we bring as to where it needs to stay. But yeah. that only happens by saying yes to everything when you start. Yeah. Great point. All right, bring us home, my friend. What's what's the third thought that rock? <laughs> so, you know, we laughed we laughed about this um, because we sort of tried to find a bunch of different ways to say this, but I'm just going to say it. Uh, you got to get your shit together. 
Um, what? People think that, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a speaker. Uh, so I'm just going to show up on stage. I'm going to give me the microphone. I'm going to walk out there and I'm going to rock it. Um, well, how do you think they're going to find you? How do you think they're going to make your, the selection to bring you to that conference? You've got to have video. You've got to have photos. You've got to have session synopsises. You've got to have unique takeaways. You've got to have so many things in line that they won't even consider you. They won't even find you unless you have these things available. There is a sort of a um, way of doing business uh, in this. It's a very niche business. The speaking business is very niche. Um, but there are some sort of tried and true things that people just expect, right? So yeah. you've got to have these things laid out crystal clear if you want to be seriously considered. If you don't have those things, they don't consider you a professional speaker. They consider yeah. you an aspiring speaker. And that's those are two different categories. And believe me, there's about three zeros that separate those things at least. There are. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, and so you've got to, what, what are some of those things that when you first started that you didn't think about, but now you realize if you didn't have these things, you would never get booked. Yeah. I mean, like you, I, I probably would list off the top six things that you have to have. And before we sort of go through all those. You just listed off, I think, four or five of those. For sure, one thing I never really thought about is having video. You know, nowadays it's such a big deal. I thought, well, I know I got to probably have, because I've done a little bit of community acting, you got to have a headshot. I, I get that. I, you know, I need people to know what my background is and the, the biography. We'll talk about that in a second. But I never really considered video. And this isn't this isn't a COVID thing. Um, it, it isn't uh, you know more people are now looking like what we're doing right now. It really has come to the point that I think personally seeing this a lot now. Speaker agents, speaker bureaus, the people that are putting events together, the, these client specialists, they only make their decisions when they can see you actually in the moment, so that they can put that in their head to go, oh yeah this guy's perfect for this event or, oh, hells no, there's no way she's going to be able to fit in my environment because of her delivery. You know, maybe they thought on paper, the topic looks great. The information looks great. Yep. His or her background looks yep. great. But then they see video and they're like, oh, no. Like it's a, or yeah, this is totally what I want. So I don't think I understood maybe going all the way back to when I first started doing it professionally about 11 years ago, but doing it on the side since 2003, I never really saw the power of video as much as now out of the, out of the six things that I tell people, you have to have these things in place. It's mission number one. And that's the biggest problem. It's a catch 22, right? Because if you haven't spoken before, if you're like, you're telling yeah. me this is how you get started, but I don't have any video. Yeah. This is why you go back. You see thought number two, you got to say yes to everything <laughs> and start videotaping that yes. stuff just to get something in place. Yeah. And then when you really do get paid or you get on stage in a, in a little bit of a bigger environment, you better spend a little bit of money to just hire somebody to come and videotape it. Believe me, that is going to probably be more important than just about any of the other things that we'll talk about. What what was it for you? Yeah. No, totally. And I know I think we've had these discussions with bureaus that um 
We've heard numbers as high as 80% of the decisions are made solely on the video and nothing else, yeah. uh, which is which is a scary stat, right? And it I mean, is. that is, it's, it's, just, it's just unbelievable. And it's why you see speakers spend so much money on their, their speaker reels, because they know that yeah. that's the, the number one thing that's going to get them booked. And so they'll spend $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 um, putting together an incredible speaker reel because that's the kind of money they're asking for. And so if it doesn't yeah. look like it's worth 20 grand, you know, they don't expect to be paid 20 grand. And so that's, that's the thing that I think is unusual. And then the other part is also, as you said, if you haven't had an opportunity to go out and speak, you can do just what we're doing right now. They just yeah. want to see your energy on camera. They want to see that you don't, you know, you're not a nervous Nelly that you, you know, maybe you got some weird thing that you do with you. I don't know what to do with my hand. So okay. I'm just going to stand like this for an hour and talk to you. Like they just, they want to be able to see you feel your energy. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes it's hard to come across, uh, you know, um, Mark Bowden, uh, a good buddy of ours, fellow speaker, also an expert in body language, um, has incredible resources online. So I'm telling you right now, what I'm doing with my hands are things that I've learned from Mark Bowden. And he would tell you that these are the different ways that you'd engage people and that they're free resources. Go online, check his stuff out. When you go to, if you don't have video, just do something like this where you frame yourself well, you got a little depth in the background. You can do this now with the new iPhones. I mean, you don't even need a fancy camera and just deliver the content in a powerful, passionate way that is engaging and shows people what you're going to bring, what it's going to feel like to have you in the room. And that's yeah. what I think is uh, we could take the rest of the things that we know you need and literally burn them <laughs> and the video would still be enough to keep you busy. Yeah. And, and you said something earlier about a speaker reel, and that is sort of the thing today to have a sizzle reel, a, a, you know, two to three minute, maybe a five minute, if it's really grandiose, yep. where people can see you in different settings, different outfits, different uh, audiences. And, and that's well and good. I know you, you made a point that that is really expensive and you'll eventually get there. You know, for me, I've been lucky enough that I've taken a bunch of short clips. I haven't put those together in a sizzle reel. And I've been doing this for 20, 25 years when you combine the two on yeah. my own and on the side. I still haven't done the sizzle reel. I probably need to do that. It's probably easier for my agent to send it out. But honestly, even if you go to my website and look, there's probably six or seven short clips. You can watch a, a complete thought. You can see, is it the delivery that you would expect? Do you want the shock and awe of the hair and the blue jeans and the rock and roll? So, you know, yeah. I, I think you don't have to spend a lot of money. You made a great point. It could be virtual like this and you just hit record okay. on a Zoom and that's that's a good start. Um, it could be yep. somebody in the back of the room with, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself, like an old on your shoulder camcorder, yeah, like, this? iPhone. <laughs> I know you're like, what? All, all, the, all the kids there are like, what's he doing? Um, with the iPhone, there's there's a litany of ways. Just go out there and videotape is is definitely mission number one. But we do have these others. And, and you mentioned uh, one of those were you've got to have session synopses, right? You've got to have very detailed explanation of your talk. And I say detailed, it might actually fill up, I don't know, like a whole eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper of 
the the basic 30,000 foot description, like you said, but then the bullet points, the objectives, what am I going to learn? The learning objectives have to be crystal clear. You can have a little bit of fun with it, but not so much that it gets lost. Somebody needs to look at that. Let's say it's in a program or or maybe you're up against three other concurrent speakers and, and what would make them come to sit into yours and listen. So I think that's one piece that a lot of people don't really think about. They think, okay, I'll get the video, I'll get the headshot, those types of things. But they don't think about that session synopsis. And that those things are very, very important. And it might be that you've got one talk, then you better have a great piece of paper that comes with it that you can send to people in advance. If you've got multiple talks, there's one for every one of those talks. Agreed. And I think one of the things that... Um you know, Tamsin said in her book is that it's really about the audience perspective, right? You're not, it's not what you're bringing to the table. It's what the audience is going to get out of it. And that's, that's the real um, sort of misconnect that we see with new speakers is they talk about what they're going to bring. They don't talk about the impact it's going to have on the people listening. And that's really what's going to resonate with, with conference planners. Yeah, exactly. So we did these two. We talked about video. We talked about session synopsis, a couple others that are quick. And then on this last one, I really want to end with you because you talk about this quite a bit. You've got to have, I, I mentioned headshots, you know, just go out there. You could do it on your own. You can get a friend, but you know, it's probably worth it to spend a couple hundred bucks to get a great photographer to, to, to get your headshots in there, to get a great picture because that's what they're going to use in all the programs and the posters and how they're going to sell you. You know, don't think that you doing it on your own selfie with an iPhone is going to be enough to make it. It's not. So headshots are important. Definitely put your biography, you know, as detailed as you want to. The awards you've won, what companies you've worked for, how maybe your background applies to the talk. You know, you can have all of this stuff. But what comes right behind that biography is the sample introduction. The fifth thing is, and, and a lot of people don't think about it, they hand somebody the bio and expect the client to pull from that. You wanna make it as stupid, simple, as easy for the client as possible. You gotta truncate that bio into like 30 to 45 seconds of an introduction. What's the highlights? Why are you here? What's in it for you from an audience standpoint? So, you know, all of those are easy to do once you get your talk established. I wouldn't wait for you to be completely ready. You can be working on all of those. But then the creme de la creme, the six, which I'd love for you to talk about is you better have a website. You better have somewhere that you can send somebody to and how that thing is designed, which is not like a basic boring landing page like probably I used to do 15 years ago. There's way more that goes into it, probably more than we have time today. But talk about the importance of having a great speaker website on your own, let alone being with a bureau or agent. Yeah. Listen, it comes back to value again. Right. So the, you know, we, we haven't really talked about the cost of hiring a keynote speaker, Um, but it's significant, especially, you know, you got to think the bigger, the conference, the bigger, the bigger, the budget. Right. And so if you're going out and speaking for 50 people, that's one thing. If you're on stage in front of three or 4,000 people and you know, it's got a hundred foot led screen behind you, um, trust me, there are conferences that cost millions of dollars to put on. And, and, um, so, so when they're bringing in somebody, your website has to yeah. look as expensive as you're asking, right? Yeah. So if you've got your 1998, 
you know, uh, <laughs> Squarespace site that is all, you know, chunky, blocky. It's, it's, it's 90s colors palette. It's, you can see on the bottom, it says, you know, your, your whatever, Joe, Joe Blow speaker, 1998, <laughs> you know, <laughs> copyright on the bottom. <laughs> you know, they, you've got to keep it looking fresh. Mm -hmm. You've got to have it mobile friendly, especially in this day and age. If it's not mobile friendly, forget about it. Um, but, but I know for a fact that clients are, they, they hear what your fee is and they immediately, no matter if they go to a bureau, no matter where they found you, they're going to go to your website. And if it looks cheap, you are, you're in trouble, right? It's got to look professional it's got to look polished and it's got to have your personality it comes back to that unique viewpoint the website doesn't have to be you don't have to spend ten thousand dollars on a website you, know, you could use wix i mean we laugh all the time yeah. i think i build one website a week on wix and i'm constantly yeah, changing do. it and i'm tweaking it but it's and i'm doing it myself yeah. But it's because I'm learning more and more and more of what resonates and what doesn't. And so I'm not usually revamping everything, but I'm moving stuff around. I'm making it a, le a little easier to upload you know, for, for things like uh, pictures and, and compressing pictures so that it loads faster. Um, I'm looking at the keywords in, in my uh, Google rank and uh, all the SEO stuff and adding in alternate text and all kinds of things so I'm easier to find. But all of that stuff comes back to value. So if as you continue to level up your talk and you continue to level up at the events and you might have started with you know the boy scouts but now you're doing thousand person conferences um all of your collateral should should move with you, right? Invest yeah. in it. And and these are the things that you know we people like um Clint Pulver, mm -hmm. Alan Stein Jr., um Scott Stratton Jay Bear, um, you know, all, these are Jim people Knight. who, when you, Jim Knight, when you look at their collateral, when you look at their videos, when you look at their websites, and then you hear how much they are, you go, of course they are. I mean, look at this, yeah. Cassandra Worthy. I use Cassandra um, as as like a, a template for crying out loud. I'm like, yeah. she you went from use. zero to a hundred, and now she's one of the biggest speakers in the world. And I yeah. love her to death. Her energy is contagious. But I will tell you this: you can't look at her website and not smile and not go, "Oh, I get her." Without even knowing what she talks about, there is so yeah. much expression in her in the images that she chooses, in the uh, the structure of her website that it's what allows her and has allowed her to become one of the biggest, most successful speakers in the business in a in a span of about three years, which is just as you and I know, it's unheard of. Sometimes Crazy. it takes three yeah. years to figure out what the hell you're gonna talk about. I mean, this yeah. is somebody who went from zero to represented now by one of the biggest speaker agents in the world. I mean, Brene Brown's agent is now Cassandra's agent. I mean, this is incredible. And she's done it because she's leveled up her game all the way around from, you know, her session synopsis to what people get for collateral to her video to all of the things. She has her shit together so well that she yeah. can now command uh, somebody's yearly salary in one talk. And that is just I, I'm, yeah. I'm in love with her and what she's doing, and, and it's amazing. 
Well, yes. I mean, as you can tell, we th- this is uh, not just a love fest for a lot of our speaker friends out there. There is going to be some of that. But, you know, Brant and I talked about this being a little bit of a series. You know, this this episode we knew would go a little bit longer. Still getting three specific thoughts at Rock. And in this case, how to get started, have a unique viewpoint, you know, say yes to everything, and then get your shit together. Get all of that collateral, that does take time. And this, is, this isn't this is going to be something you're going to be able to just start doing right away, even if you have the gift to gab. You know, it's not a problem for you to get up there. Uh, that You know, we have another episode coming up. There's a total difference between speaking and presenting. You know, we want to talk about that true facilitation skill set. Um, and that that's a whole episode on its own. So we, we hope you guys have enjoyed this. I mean, we're you know, again, I try not to say that I'm an expert. I think we have some expertise because this is what we do for a living. Like, I, you know, I, I do have to say uh, fr- from an experiential standpoint, this is what we do to make money. Brant and I have a, a couple other companies that we do. This is the one that makes money for us. Um, yeah. But th- there's an art form to it. And um, we, we know there are a couple of people out there that are that are thinking about this. And hopefully this uh, this you know little bit of time helped you get started. Yeah. You know, listen, I hope people who are interested and really want to do this, um, found the inspiration to continue to have that conversation. And if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I hope some of you had the shit scared out of you and you're not going to do it because (laughs) we don't need any more competition. (laughs) I'm just being honest. I I don't, neither one of us wants you to be a speaker. Please know that there's already too many of us and most of them ruin it for us. So we want to make sure that only the people who really are willing to put in the time and effort are going to pursue this. But if you are going to half ass it, just, just don't do it. Don't do it because just you're away. just ruining it for the rest of us. <laughs> so that there's the yeah, honest we don't, two, we don't need two the minute other. close. <laughs> yeah, we don't need we don't need to do any of the other episodes. That's it. Mic drop right at the very <laughs> That's end. It. All right, guys, That's we'll it. talk to you soon. This was so much fun. Be good. You Rock bet. On. Take care. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock Rock on. on!